easy being a movie star. Whatever. It's really hard. So much kale. So I brought in the most elegant, lovely, poised lady in show business to fill in as a guest host, Shashir Zameda. You probably remember her as a guest from our amazing episode with Ann Dowd. <laughs> I know you don't doubt it. Ow! Or you might know Shashir from the film I Feel Pretty or a little show called Saturday Night Live. Hello. I'll let my sweet, sweet Shashir take it away. Filling in for Michelle Buteau, the host of Late Night Whenever. Please give it up for Shashir Zameda. I'm Sashir Zameda. I'm filling in for Michelle. She is working. She booked a job, so bitch is working. (laughs) And I'm not. So they called me, and I was like, yeah, I'm free. I'm standing outside. I'm ready. (laughs) But I'm very glad to be here. I just got a haircut today. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, But yeah, I've been like itching to get a haircut for a while. And my hair's usually a full afro, but I got the sides and the back shaved and it feels really good. And I first went natural like, God, maybe 13 years ago or something like that, like when I was in college. I told my mom, I was like, I want to shave my head. And she goes, no. (laughs) She's like, I worked so hard on this hair. And she did. She like, Lots of box perms and me leaning over the sink for years and her, like, you know, putting lye in her hands. But my hair was getting longer and shiny, but not, it was getting thinner. So I was like, there's nothing to hold on to. It's dead. So let's cut it. And my mom cut it for me. She, she grabbed a huge lock of it and just cut, <laughs> cut it, like, immediately and plopped it in my lap. And, and I was laughing. I was, like, laugh crying the whole time she was cutting my hair. <laughs> I, feel, I felt like I was, like, becoming the Joker, just like, Because <laughs> <laughs> it was such a huge change. I'd never done that before. But after I did it, I felt so good, and I loved it. But then afterwards, I was worried, um, well, with reason, that people were going to think I was a boy. Because at the time, my brother's seven years younger than me, and he was in fifth grade at this time, and he's has always been tall for his age. He's 6'6 now. And at the time, we were the exact same height and had the exact same haircut. And he was graduating from fifth grade, and I was there with him, and we were standing next to each other, and his teacher came over, and she was like, I didn't know you had a twin. (laughs) And I was like, I'm a woman. (laughs) I am a full adult woman. I also, at the time, I used to wear just, like, baggy T-shirts and basketball shorts, just, like, whatever free shit I got at doing some camp. And <laughs> so then after that, I, like, wore earrings and makeup and skirts to try to, like, counterbalance that. But now I wear that stuff because I like it. But also now I also don't give a shit what people think <laughs> about how I look. Uh, I had a friend who was like, I feel like your look's going more into, like, lesbian Jedi. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what that is, but yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what we should all aspire to do. <laughs> Have you ever changed your look, Rob? Like, drastically? Nah, you know, um, in the 90s, though, the S-curl was real. Yeah. Cool. You had that? <laughs> yeah, I used to rock that shit all the time. Yeah. 
So when you're talking about that lie and all that stuff, yeah, mm-hmm. that's real. Like, you know, and, and it's burning, it's burning, and you got to take it out. Yeah. And it costs you your hairline at some points or whatever. But, you know, barbershop is always important to men, mm-hmm. black men especially. Yeah. It's uh, a whole community. Yeah. And I remember one time specifically, uh, my mom uh, would take me to the barbershop, and she actually... Uh, didn't want to make the trip too many times. So what she did this time is she told him to cut it low. He cut it low. She was like, it's not low enough. Cut it lower. He cut it lower. She said, it's not low enough. He cut me bald. <laughs> and I was, I was about like, you know, I was 11, 12 years old at that time. So enough to care. Yeah. And yo, that was the most, imp- I had to go to church. And then she was like, and you got some grease to put on it? And so now I had this shiny <laughs> bald head. <laughs> And I used to play at church where the organ was in the front. So it's like everybody had to look, and this just the most embarrassing haircut oh, I've ever no. had. So yeah, terrible. Yeah, why did she think you needed to grease it? There's no hair there. You no, know, that's mama's though. Mama's yeah. are like, you know, make it shine. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> also, one thing that happened when I cut my hair is that I um, lost a ton of friends. Not because they didn't like the way I look, it's because they didn't recognize me. <laughs> Like, I like to think that I'm unique and I look a certain way and people can be able to tell what my face is all the time. But no, if I change my hair even a little bit, people were like, mm, that's not my black girl. No, shit, <laughs> this is different. <laughs> I'd rather, I do want people to, if they're my friend, to recognize me. <laughs> Other people, no. <laughs> I went, one time I uh, went to a diner and I ordered some sort of shrimp pasta. Why did she do that? I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to die. But I, I didn't realize I'm developing a shellfish allergy. I know. It is sad. It sucks. Because I've lived a whole life loving shellfish. Just like, happy as a clam. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I had this shrimp at this diner. And my face just like swole up. Like my eye was swollen. Damn. I had these welts all over my face. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. And I was walking down the street trying to find Benadryl. And this girl was like, Sashir, can I get a picture? And I was like, I'm a monster. (laughs) Don't look at me. (laughs) You guys ready for a good show? Let's do it. All right, our first guest coming to the stage is a comedian and an actress. You've seen her in the film Sisters and on the web series, AKA Wyatt Sinek, and Orange is the New Black. Please welcome Emily Tarver. Um, your birthday's coming up. It is. Did you know? Yeah, someone told me. Okay, cool. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going to Las Vegas. Ooh. Which is in Nevada. Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say California, but that's not right. Yeah. Las Vegas, Nevada. Have you been before? I have. Last time I went was to celebrate another friend's birthday, and we saw the, um, the Paula Abdul. Oh, yeah. And nice. the Boys to Men. Ooh. And New Kids on the Block. That's a great trip. Oh, shit. I was it there was for that. You were? Yeah. yeah. Really? I had to you be You were just there, like yeah. in town or were you performing? No, I put together the Boys to Men show and New Kids on the Block show. Whoa. Stop it. 
That's awesome. Can I get like a voucher for the money that I spent on it? <laughs> Not that it wasn't I'll tell good. You what, I next just... time you come, it'll be free. How about okay. That? Wow. Okay. I want that. I want that. Did I you like that. the show? I loved it. Yeah. We had a fantastic yeah, time. That's cool. It was great. Great. Were there pyrotechnics? But you know what? Yeah, pyro, yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Paula Abdul like did some crazy shit. Oh, good. She like looks she better did. than I've ever looked in my whole life. She looks really she's good. She's 600 years old. <laughs> I, I feel assume. like that's a little bit of exaggeration. Just like, okay, 420. She's 420. Um, she was like an acrobat. <laughs> you should also see Magic Mike while you're there. That's that, what I would recommend. Is that separate from the films? It is based on the film. <laughs> I'm not aware of it, so... It's the okay. live review, male review. That's a classy from, way of saying <laughs> strippies. I, bas- I guess it's like, I mean, yeah, there's people stripping, but there's a story, too. <laughs> wow! Do you hear yourself? This is great! There's also a story I for love- the ladies. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, they, like, bring women on, and they'll, like, dance on you and stuff. I got pulled up. That was very exciting. What I went with happened? Nicole Byer and Mateo Lane. And Nicole oh. was the one who wanted to go in the first place. She was like, I want to get railed. And yeah. <laughs> that sounds like her. And I was like, I'll come and watch. And then they... You got railed. And then I got railed. Someone whispered in my ear, and they're like, do you want to be the piano girl? And I was like, yeah. What's I don't know what mean? that is, but I'll do it. Yeah. Also, in addition to stripping... They can all play instruments. So there was a guy playing the piano. I sat on top, and he was, like, playing in between my legs. It's level. It was great. How did, how did the tests come back? Did you catch anything? <laughs> you good? I was a good girl. All right. But man, oh, man, was it hot and heavy. Mm. So, yeah, take your friend to see that. Okay. And you, went, you grew up in Texas. I did. I was uh, born in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and then we moved to Texas when I was like seven or eight. And so I identify as a Texan. And then when did you move to New York? 2004. Mm-hmm. 2004, right after I graduated from college. And I got a, de- I have a degree in psychology and a degree in Spanish. And then I took a, an improv class my senior year. And I was like, thanks, mom and dad. I'm going to go be a weird improviser in a basement under a grocery store, yeah. the Upright Citizens Brigade. And uh, I was like, thanks for college. Yeah, I'm going to waste it now. I'm going to waste it. And now you're on Orange is the New Black. I am on the Netflix channel. And I uh, just finished in February filming my third season on the show. I play a guard. Artisan? Artisan. Artisan McCullough. McCullough. And then you were um, in your underwear for a lot of your first season, Yeah, I hated that a bunch. I really hated it. What was the context of that? They're just like... So the prison gets taken over by the inmates, and it's a riot, and they put all the guards together in uh, what's called the bubble. What's the bubble? It's like where, when you, if you watch the show, it's like the room with the windows where we watch the prisoners. Okay. So we got put together in the bubble, and they took my clothes, and they didn't um, tell me that that was going to happen until like two weeks before filming. And I was like, I could have been fucking starving myself for six years <laughs> for this moment. I literally I was on the phone with the producer and eating like a giant hoagie and threw it across the room. I was like, never 
again, hoagie. Get over here. And I just kept eating. I didn't, it is what it is. Yeah. This is what, like, and I thought, I had the thought of, I can either hate this and want to die, or I can flip it and say, like, I'm going to show my body just the way that it is, and maybe that will make other people feel okay about their normal body. This is my body. Like, I'm so lucky to have a body. Yeah. You know? That's great. Everybody's body is perfect. Yeah, that's a great way to think of it. Um, do you want to, like, create your own show? <sighs> God. <laughs> yeah, I do. I would really like to write um, horror films. Because oh, that's, cool. like, my, my blood is horror. Yeah. <laughs> They're remaking. I'm not, like, a huge reboot remake fan. But I am when it comes to, like, Stephen King stuff. Yeah. Especially It. Loved It. Um, they're remaking uh, Pet Cemetery, which is my number one top favorite Ooh. that my mom showed me when I was, like, three. She was like, Dad's gone. Let's get scared. <laughs> I was like, great. Sounds good, Patty Tarver. She introduced it to me at a very extremely inappropriate, devastating, <laughs> detrimental age. And, um, oh, so John Lithgow is going to play Judd, the neighbor, Herman Munster. Whoa. Yeah. I've always said I want a John Lithgow career. He just works forever. Mm -hmm. I imagine people don't bother him. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm John Lithgow. I always thought I wanted a, a Bill Murray career where, like, you don't, you can't find me. <laughs> yeah. Because he has, like, a, I guess there's a rumor he's a hotline where people were supposed to call if they want to book him on yeah. anything as opposed to like going through his agent. He just has like a voicemail that you can call. Yeah. It's like, and hey, it's like, Bill Murray. Yeah, it's me. Leave a message. Yeah. And there was a rumor that he, the reason he said yes to the Garfield movie was because it was written by the Coen brothers, but not that Coen brothers. Um. <laughs> mm. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it, whatever. And it was like, gotcha. <laughs> Been there. I thought I was drinking a Coke once. It was a Pepsi. So I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it's it. It's a good trick. Give it for Emily Tarver. Thank you. Thank you. Stick around. We got more after the break. Welcome back to Late Night Whenever. We have so much show for you. Our next guest is a writer, comedian, actor. You've seen him on The Daily Show, People of Earth, and now he has his own show on HBO called Problem Areas. Please give it up for Wyatt Sinek. Welcome, Wyatt. Thank you for having me. One time I was on your, he used to host a live show in Brooklyn called Night Train for a very long time. It was wonderful. And um, now it's like it's, five years. That's not a very long time. I, it is. It's years. If you meet a five-year-old, though, you don't go to a five-year-old and like, ooh, look at you, Methuselah. <laughs> what have you done with your life? Oh, you're wasting it. Oh, All wrinkly. <laughs> You wrinkly five-year-old. No, I mean, as far as the lifespan of a live comedy show in New York, that's a long time. Sure. All right. And one time, 
I was getting on stage and I think, I don't know if the lights were already off or you just told them to turn the lights off and you're like, deal with it. And then I did a whole set in the light, in the dark, but it was very fun. Yeah. And hold on to be fair to me. Um, (laughs) you came out on stage with the lights off and then I made everyone pull out their cell phones and use their cell phones to create light for the stage. And so then it became this beautiful moment of everyone coming together and getting hand radiation, (laughs) all for comedy. That was a really nice moment. It was, yeah. So since I know you as a person who doesn't usually stick to format. Sure. uh, With your TV show Problem Areas, is there a plan for every episode? Are you like... We're just going to wing it? Yeah, do you wing it? No, because uh, that I get paid for. <laughs> if, if there's no money on the table, then... Who cares? All bets are off. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, no, there's a plan for the show, and we, we had planned out the one thing we chose to look at over the uh, entirety of the season is uh, policing in America and going from city to city and kind of looking at it from different perspectives and different angles and different things that communities and law enforcement agencies are doing uh, to try and like bridge that divide that exists between law enforcement and community. Uh, so we knew we couldn't wing that. For sure. Yeah. Um, you can't just show up to, <laughs> to a town. You can't show up to Tucson and like, hey, we got a bunch of cameras and we want to dig into all this pain here. <laughs> you cool with that? We're going to crack some jokes. It's like a a social justice prank show. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) I feel like that already exists every time that somebody does something awful that gets caught on camera. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like any time that that lady who called the cops on a cookout (laughs) or that weird lawyer guy who likes to yell at... People speaking Spanish? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, there is at some point, you know, look, I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, Roseanne, that's an open time slot now. <laughs> ABC. <laughs> Don't clap for me. I didn't do it. <laughs> I think they're I, clapping for the change that's oh, happening. Okay. All right. <laughs> I thought they were giving me credit, which, um, no, but I, what I was going to say was that ABC also, they're the ones uh, who created America's Funniest Home Videos, so they already have a format there. Why not... Tom Bergeron. Yeah, why not make a show where Tom Bergeron just looks at awful, horrible things that people do that get... Like, that they could send in, where it's like, oh, here's an awful human who, like, called the cops on two black guys in a Starbucks. And just, like... And they put, like, stupid sound effects to it. Wah-wah. Yeah. These two men are just minding their own business. Here are the cops. And that's what they could just call it. Here are the cops. How much pushback did you get from police departments? Some were really cool. Some were like open to it and really cool. Uh, but then there were some, like, there was one city we went to where they, like, beforehand 
wanted to get on the phone with me and I had to talk to some like a bunch of cops on a phone who I think were also recording the phone conversation. Oh boy. Um, they had clearly gone through like my Twitter account and listened to some of my stand up and so they were sort of asking questions as though they were interrogating me. <laughs> where it was like, so you know, your comedy what would you describe your audience as? And I was like, people? <laughs> I was like, right, but what, like, how would you describe them? Like, in a lineup? Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> like and I was just like, that's really specific. Like, they're people who want to come to a comedy show. What are you getting at? And they never wanted to say it, but I think they wanted me to say, like, Angry black people. My audience is filled with angry black people. <laughs> Which is true. Yes. They're armed, angry black people. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to flash your address up on the screen. It's less comedy show, more revolution. <laughs> but yeah, so then they were like on the fence. And then when we got to town, they pulled out of the whole thing entirely. Whoa. Yeah. So is, is that the only reason you were in town? Was that a waste of a trip? Kind of. Uh, but then we knew where they were going to be. And so we showed up anyway. <laughs> what kind of intel? How do you, who do you find out from where, where the police are? Where cops are going to be? No, you just They're call 911. Oh, got it. And then, no, we didn't do that. Okay. <laughs> that would have been so fucked up if we were like, oh, they won't talk to us. And then just call 911. Like, Police, come here! And then, like, welcome! And the cops came. <laughs> yeah. After a new, fresh off the boat. Um, you don't have a studio audience in your, in your show. I don't, so this is weird. I'm not used to being in front of people. It's awkward. Yeah. Yeah, because I have to learn everyone's names. <laughs> the main thing for me was that it felt like having worked on a show where we had a studio audience, I kind of liked the idea of just making the show for the person who's watching it on their television. Like sometimes having a studio audience that's giving that person who's watching cues of, okay, here's where they all laughed, so you should laugh, and here's where they all clapped, and you should feel something. And I kind of wanted to just take that away and just say, oh, okay, I'll just let people sort of experience it how they want to experience it. And so it just felt like I wanted to let people like live in that themselves without anyone else directing them how to feel. Yeah. Clap. No, 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 no. Make your own decisions. Laugh, You're your laugh, own, laugh. no. It's funny. You're your it's own funny. people. Do what you want to do. Laugh more, laugh no. more. This is very don't funny. Don't listen to her. But also don't listen to me. Make your own choice. Oh, fuck. It's a Schrodinger's cat situation. Well, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You were actually stuck in an elevator recently. I, I was, yeah. I was at work. and I was at work. It was snowing. Uh, power went out in the building. 
I got trapped in the elevator, and uh, I'd gone to get lunch, and I, I don't like to walk around with my cell phone if I don't have to. So I didn't have my phone, and the power went out in the building, and they were evacuating the building anyway because they were saying, like, oh, a blizzard's coming. Like, if you don't have to be at work, leave. And because I'm a terrible boss, I was like, fuck it, you all work. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the power went out in the building, and almost as though a comeuppance, I got trapped in the elevator. <laughs> but it was the happiest I'd been in days because I had quiet, I was trapped by myself. I had, I had a burrito. <laughs> it was dark. How long were you in there? Like about 30, 40 minutes. No, it was totally peaceful. Like the, it was great because eventually people realized I was missing. <laughs> no, it was... Aww. Stop it! I told you how happy I was. I was happy. I was at peace in my dark box with my burrito. But people started to, they were like, oh, where is he? And somebody thought, oh, he could be in the elevator. He might be one of the elevator people now. And so uh, eventually somebody from the building had to come to the elevator to, to see if I was one of the elevator people. And they were like, what? Is that you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, we're gonna get you out. Don't panic. It's okay. Don't panic. You're fine. You're totally fine. Do not be afraid. And I was like, I'm good, but you seem freaked out. You shouldn't panic. <laughs> And I felt like I was talking him down. <laughs> like he'd never been in this situation before. And was like, ah, a person's trapped in the elevator. And I was like, no, this is fine. And then at some point they were like, we're gonna get you out. You're trapped between floors. And I, I've watched enough movies to know that there's a panel that you can push and climb out. And I was like, do you want me to push the panel and climb out? Like, it's fine. They were like, no! <laughs> I was like, no, it's totally cool. I could totally push the panel. And they were like, no, don't do it. Don't get scared. And I was like, no, I'm just trying to help you. Because it seems like the faster I'm out of here, the faster you'll calm down. Maybe he knew if you exited by yourself that you would have, like, entered John Malkovich's brain. Ooh. Or get your head chopped off. I've seen that happen. You've seen that happen? Not live. Like, <laughs> <laughs> then the cops came. Then the cops came. <laughs> After an all-new blackish. <laughs> Only on ABC. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> you two have worked together before. We have. We have. Yes. On AKA Wyatt Yes, we worked on a web series that... Uh, I wrote that we shot over the summer and it was super fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Were there any like fun behind the scenes stories? Well, Wyatt is very low energy. So <laughs> there wasn't a lot of fun. Know. No. I don't understand what you mean. 
I feel like there was a fun day where it was a rainy day where we got stuck in a restaurant shooting a scene with so Emily was in it uh, also a comedian named Thomas Fowler who was my old comedy partner in LA and then uh, an actress a very funny actress named Gina Yee uh, the four of us played friends and we were in a restaurant having brunch uh, and it required Gina Gina's character ha- uh, had noticed that there were the restaurant had sat three couples that were identical couples of white guys and Asian girlfriends <laughs> side by side at tables. And so she saw this and wondered if the white guys, if each of those white guys were actually into their girlfriends or if they had yellow fever. And so when one went to the bathroom, Gina snuck over and then tried to see if the boyfriend would notice and then started playing a game of roulette between the various boyfriends as a social experiment to see just how attentive they were to notice that these were not their girlfriends. So it was this very weird, like, uh, choreographed dance that we had to do all day and every time we would kind of like reset everything, it was the one day where I think all four of us got to sit at a table and kind of goof yeah, off and like joke we were around. Yeah, out for the first time. Yeah, but I, I found myself, there were moments like that where I feel like, especially when like you and Thomas and Gina were hanging out because I, I had to work because I was directing. He was wearing three hats. Um, but I would watch the two of you, or the three of you joking around and goofing off and I found myself feeling like, oh, wow, you all really seem like you could be long-time friends, and I could have very easily forgotten script pages and just shot you all goofing off and having fun, and I think it would have translated just the same. That's very nice. Thank you for bringing it back to me. Don't fall for that! No! 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 I think it's game time! This game is Asking for a Friend, where people from the audience ask a question for a friend. But we really know it's not for a friend. It's probably for them. And that's it. And that's, that's it. <laughs> Can you also make a theme song for the show I'll be pitching to ABC? Yeah. Then the cops came. <laughs> When the cops came. <laughs> I think that's... Honestly, that, wonderful. Yeah, that bumps out into commercial really well. All right. Someone's racism will bring their life crashing down on them in an embarrassing way. Coming up right after this commercial about Downey. When the cops came. <laughs> and you know how they have the little people in the corner for the next show where it's like people like posing like... <laughs> And next is How I Met Your Mother. It'll just be like someone trying to hit a phone camera. <laughs> and screaming like really hard. <laughs> next on Then the Cop Came. <laughs> I love it. Where's Rob? What's your question that you are asking for a friend? This is for a friend. Yeah. What do you do when you own a restaurant and you look in your cameras and you see your bartender fucking the waitress? 
You call John oh, Taffer. Do you? Call John Taffer. It feels like it should be multiple choice. However, okay, what, what do you do? Is it during business hours? It's important. After, after it was after. Okay, after okay. business hours. Life is hard as a waitress. That's what she said. And if you, all right. <laughs> all right. Oh. All right. <laughs> and then the cops I came. I can see why people are getting freaky in this restaurant. Yeah. If this is how it's being it's run. It's very common in the restaurant industry. How long have the employees worked there? This is a friend, remember. I, right, I yeah. don't know. Oh, I'm, I'm not asking you. Okay, just clarifying. But you know all the details, I'm sure. Could, yeah. Your friend told you. They were, you know, six, eight months. I guess maybe that's... Best. Oh, so they're Could new? Be. Get rid of them. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Rob, give Rob Unless some advice. Unless they make a killer espresso martini, get rid of their ass, I guess. Mm, I agree. I love an upper and a downer. That's, 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 that's the short time. Yeah, I mean, that's nothing. That's short time. Well, thank so you, why, Rob. Yeah. I hope I hope that answers your friend's question. <laughs> Why'd you leave your last job? Uh, I was fucking. <laughs> Where's Clarence? Hi, Clarence. Yeah, how you doing? Good. What is a question you need to ask for a friend? How do you tell your friend that people think he's a dick? Ooh. Is it Wyatt? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm down with Wyatt. <laughs> is it the guy sitting next to you? Is it him? <laughs> no, it's not him. <laughs> I like that he shrugged like, eh. Could be. <laughs> maybe so. I don't care. Um, how do you tell your friend he's a dick? Oh, damn. Maybe you could behave the way that person behaves to them. And when they're like, hey, man, you're being a dick, you're like, I know. I was acting like you. I learned it from you. Yeah. That's a good one. I, I like that. that one. Yeah. Or also just like one last thing. You could just be totally like honest. Yeah. And That's say like a lot of people don't like you and I feel like it's hurting your life and I care about you and um, you're not very nice and it ruins everyone's life around you <laughs> and you're never going to have happiness until you change. Or just play that clip of Emily saying that. Yeah, I'll do it. Give me the number. Call, just call, call your friend up and just take that section of audio and play it on their voicemail. And just, when you do it, just hide your number so they're just kind of like, oh, wow, this is just like the voice of God just told me I am a terrible person. I need to get my shit together. Okay. Because it would piss him off at first, but he would think about it. You know? It would burrow. That's true. Anytime I get negative criticism, I'm like, is it true? But then I'm like, fuck it, nah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it, nah. Fuck it, nah. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> That's the show, everyone. Yay! Thank you to Wyatt Sinek, Emily Tarver. Thank you, guys. This was very fun. And thank you to Rob. Great job on the case. Wow, what have we learned today? I learned that we need a new show <laughs> about people being pranked but not in a social justice kind of way. And that ABC definitely needs that whole filled, so that's the easy way to do it. I also learned that um, 
If you want the cops to come and they won't answer your questions, it's call 911. <laughs> I also learned that it's okay if you're scared to be in your underwear at first, because then people keep paying you to be in your underwear <laughs> more and more times. And I learned that I really like this show. <laughs> I already knew that, though. <laughs> Thanks for coming, guys. Thank you for listening. I'm Sister Zaneda. Michelle will be here whenever. And that's Late Night Whatever. Late Night Whenever is brought to you by WNYC Studios. This podcast is produced by Joanna Solitaroff, Paula Schumann, Jennifer Sendro, Daniel Guimet, Adam Teicholt, Jamie York, and Marianne Schaubert. With Isaac Jones, Chase Colpin, Sarah Sandbach, Caroline English, and Melissa Chusid. Music by Rob Lewis. Add music by Isaac Jones. Like us on Facebook for ticketing updates and so much more. So you can stay in the know of all things Buteau. Ow! And don't forget to subscribe to Late Night Whenever, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that was real smooth. Like a baby's bottom. Also, that's so gross, smooth like a baby's bottom. Why do you keep touching baby's bottoms, you fucking freak? Ugh, I can't. Men. Get over it, Don Draper. I'm done.